Old Dublin Town is a fascinating place but not only is it a fascinating place there are people in Old Dublin Town who have a love for it that goes back from acquired from youth and translates into a passion in adulthood and John Lee is one of those and John uh, operates a website Old Dublin Town and a Twitter, Twitter feed that has over 25,000 followers uh, that posts photographs and uh, other interesting items relating to old Dublin and John is with me. We're actually sitting in John's car. We're driving along Camden Street. John, thanks a million for taking the time and welcome. Thanks Austin. Great to have you here in Dublin. So what's the inspiration that got you involved in old Dublin town? Why, why, where did the passion come from? Well the passion was, was built from my early years. I was born in the centre of the city and I claimed to be a liberty boy, uh, born in the shadow of Christchurch Cathedral, listening to the bells as a child, um, toning out on a couple of days a week and especially on Sunday for, for services. But I had a passion for many years as a child and as a grown-up uh, of learning about my city and finding out more and recording some of the um, the, the, the history as uh, you know the ordinary Dublin history as as you go along and Old Dublin Town is is my it's my payback really to the city um, to try and promote it to try and bring the real Dublin to people so that they can see. Um, see what the, the real Dublin is about um, because there's an awful lot of gloss on Dublin and um, you'll, you'll see all of the different um, places in Dublin that um, are now where, where, where before just factories and uh, churches but now they are tourist attractions and big tourist attractions drawing a lot of people in to see them and one of them of course is Guinness's and the storehouse and the, the success that is uh, Guinness because if you come to Dublin you've got to see the Guinness storehouse. Now there's an awful lot of areas as you said um, that let's say they're off the beaten track and we've just turned off Camden Street and we're passing the uh, we're uh, passing the, 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 the St Kevin's Park which there was an old church in that graveyard um, and there was a church in the, and, and the graves still exist and it's a recreational area it's, 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 it's in the back of nowhere nobody knows about it um, some of the ordinary dubs would come out and, and spend some time in a warm summer day in it but the visitor doesn't know about it and there's it's a lot of hundreds, hundreds of years hundreds old. of years old and, and with graves and there's a connection between that and um, the history of, of burials in Dublin and um, the, 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 in times past all of the graveyards were graveyards attached to churches and then the bigger graveyards like Glass and Evan as, as uh, a Victorian uh, garden cemetery was opened um, as was Golden Bridge in Inchicore before it and they became garden cemeteries but these were the old churchyard cemeteries where people were buried in Dublin. We're passing now a row of what are single story uh, at street level sing single story certainly uh, red brick houses with one door one window very typical of areas of Dublin. Yes we're lucky enough that we have um, a low rise city in some aspects um, we, we have houses that integrate into little uh, communities and um, they, they, they're there since the arts and dwellings were, were built in the 20s and the 30s and, and before and um, these are little areas that uh, we're, we're actually coming into the Liberties area of Dublin 
um, and it's a, a little area that that um, has seen a lot of growth, but the the ordinary houses are still there, thank God, and uh, and there's some new houses as we've seen on on, on the right hand side. We're we're just in Long Lane. Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to start seeing street names I'm familiar with from, from 40 years ago, yeah. um, from my time working in the Liberties and and people coming in to there put get money in and out of their their accounts in the bank and from all this area. Um, so there's a wealth also of archival material in the form of photographs that you have access to. Yeah, this, this, it's it's amazing. Um, with Old Dublin Town, I started off putting some photographs um, and uh, some captions and hashtagging them. And now it's grown in that people now send me photographs that they find in old biscuit tins in the attic. Um, and anything really, you know, if you look at um, if you look at Arthur Fields's records and and his his records of, of photographs that he took on O'Connell Bridge, and it's just not the photograph of the person that he took, but what you look beyond the person to see what's in the background, the old buses, um, O'Connell Street, the old cars, and, and it's amazing the wealth of, of, of history that's in some of these photographs. And that's why um, it was fantastic that they they done the uh, Art of Fields project and they produced the book. And I believe there's a new book in the, in the making with all the photographs. And a lot of these photographs were were biscuitin photographs, as I call them, where people were storing them in biscuitins. They were just coming into, into um, Newmarket, which yeah. was um, a fantastic uh, area. Um, in years gone by, it was a markets area, and Teeling Whiskey Distillery, um, an Irish whiskey distillery, the only distillery that's distilling whiskey in Dublin, um, were just passing there, and they have moved in, and with that, there is a number of markets that have opened up, and I, I see it's going to be revitalised this area because of 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 um, one building just moving in. So when you said they're the only distillers in Dublin, like the Irish distillers over in Smithfield. Uh, I remember that, uh, and I thought there were some other distilleries around. Yes, the, certainly the, forty years ago. The distilleries have have vanished. Um, this this area that we're in was 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 a huge area for for this for distilleries, and there was a, there was a great uh, whiskey fire. Uh, which took place in just where we're passing now, where the, the whiskey flowed through the streets and 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 actually was on fire, um, and with with the whiskey distilleries, they they the, the Irish distillers have taken their whiskey distilling back into Cork, and they have a beautiful um, uh, up to date um, distillery down there. Um, I have to stop you because Billy yeah. Mulligan, the pride of the coom, we're passing the coom. The coom, yeah, that's. And and the, we 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 passed where the the old Coombe Hospital was, and there's still a memorial and to that. Great, great there. Street and yeah. John Street. Great yeah, street. recognise all these names. But these are great Liberty area, and there's still yeah. a lot of, of of red brick buildings here. Yes. And we've come to some of the old city flats. Yeah. And so sorry. Any, so anyway, the the whiskey. The whiskey. Is, but uh, why I say there's only one distiller in Dublin, and um, the only distiller that is actually producing whiskey is. Teelings at the moment, and they opened in 2015, so they're quite a young company. But um, they, 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 you can go on a tour there and see real whiskey being distilled in Dublin. And it started a revival, and there is a, we'll, be, we'll be passing it soon. On Thomas Street, there's a new whiskey distillery which is op- to open this year. Right. So School Street. Yeah. As we move in, and, and now we see Guinness. Oh, coming and in we the see back side the of the storehouse. Yeah, up, up and we'll see 
a wealth of visitors yeah. up in the up in the, on the in the gravity bar is yeah. is very visible and there's quite an, an amount of people up there looking at a 360 view. It's probably one of the highest spots and the great great spot for for Dublin visitors to see. And the old cobbled streets around Guinness. That's what I was trying to remember last week, Taylor's Lane. Yeah. And it wasn't Taylor's Lane, but I remember Taylor's Hall. Yes, yeah. It's gone by now, is it? Or is it's it not Taylor's Hall still. It's it's at the back of um, at the back of High Street, yes. which is near Christchurch. Yeah, over, so Carmark, Carmark, over near Carmark. Coming onto cobbled streets, and we'll come to one of the most photographed gates. And if, if if anybody comes to Dublin, they always take a picture at these gates of Guinness's, where it used to be James's gate. Yeah. It's now these gates that people take the photograph at. There's. I was told that you know we walked the Camino last year, part of it, and there's an Irish Camino. Yes. And given that the Camino is the way of Saint James, that's supposedly where the Irish Camino starts. Yes, yeah. Well, the, the James Street Church is actually uh, you can get. You can start the Camino from there, and um, you can get your passport, your Camino passport stamped at James right. Street Church, and we'll pass it very shortly. Digital Hub, and this this is a new container coffee. It's a new coffee shop opened in a container. Oh yeah. Right behind it, you'll see the old Rose Whiskey Distillery, uh, the tower of the uh, windmill that powered the distillery, and right opposite the gate, we we see uh, St James's Gate and Guinness's with the head over over it and seventeen fifty nine yep. to twenty seventeen. On the right hand side is a bank. I remember when that opened. Yeah, one of the original um one of the original um visitor centres for Guinness was based there before. Yeah that was about nineteen seventy five. It was around seventy five, yeah. That opened. And the Rupert Guinness Hall as well. That was a fantastic hall for um the um, arts and there was a lot of arts uh, with the people that work in Guinnesses. Guinnesses as an employer were, were looked at like the used um, their pensioners. They had pensions. Yep, they had pensions and they also facilities of of dispensary and um, they had doctors and we're going to pass on the right hand side that that there just before it we were just going to see um, St James's Church. Yeah. And St James's Church there, as you'll see the signs for the Camino there and the start of the Camino. The Camino begins here, Santiago Camino Society. Ie, indeed. And you can go in there and get get your your, get your stamp, passport, your stamp on your passport of your Camino passport. Wow. So I'm going to have to bring it home with me the next time to get stamped in there. Bring, bring it in and get it stamped, yeah. And that was established in 1724. And that's another thing about, of course, the, the history of Old Dublin. Old Dublin, you know, we're talking about a city that's over a thousand years old. Yes. Even nearly 1,500 years old, probably. It's, it even goes back further than that. If you, if you look at the... Um, the um, the Vikings coming. Yes. And the Vikings were the original settlers in, in Dublin and they were great traders. People see them as marauding uh, uh, people who came in and, and, and raped and pillaged as such. But they actually did set up Dublin and, and they traded and they brought coinage into Dublin. They brought um, a, a lot of uh, the commer- commerce in, in to Dublin. So and, and in around the centre of the city you'll find Cook Street um, you'll find a lot of streets that's named after after the Vikings, and um, based in the middle of it, of course, is Dublina, and Dublina is a great place to go to to learn about the history of Dublin. Just coming up to the the, the old workhouse, um, 
the South Dublin Workhouse, and um, which was St Kevin's Hospital, and today it's called St James's, James's Hospital. Yeah. And the remains of the, the workhouse buildings are still there, still down here. and they just mm. they're just hanging on for dear life. And we hope that they'll they'll hang on for a lot longer. Um, Piper's Club was, but we didn't pass it this morning. No, but the Piper's Club was back there. The Piper's Club was there, yeah, yeah. That's and that that still goes. Still the Piper's Club, and also St James's Brass and Reed Brand. Yeah, they found founded there in eighteen hundred. Wow. We'll come back to Piper's Club. I know that many of the um, that it helped greatly in the revival of Deal and Pipes. It did, because yeah. uh, I understand there was a period when the. Um, survival of the deal and pipe was it was questionable. Yeah, and and deal and pipe, of course, is synonymous uh, to Ireland, and and um, where you'd have the bagpipes are, are more to Scotland. Well, yeah. we we treasure the deal and pipes and the sound of the deal and pipes, and there are some good pipers here in Dublin. Indeed, and, um, the 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 pipers club is, is is still working hard to promote that. Um, then I know we didn't drive past as well, but as I understand it as well, the um, between Thomas Street and, uh, and James's Street, up around there, wasn't there? Was someone hanged up there? Robert Emmett was hanged after his stay in 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 um, in um, Kilmainham Jail, yeah. which we're just about to come up on. The old mill you'd see there, the, the, the unusual square chimney of the old mill in Kilmainham, and I'm actually walking with a group at the moment to try and save that mill and the mill building and, and we're, we're, we're working quite hard to, to try and find the ownership of it first of all and then to look at um, um, preserving it for the, for the future because we're coming into now Kilmainham and the Kilmainham area and we'll soon see Kilmainham Jail. Now I understand as well that from Kilmainham Jail um, that the 1916 leaders um, were held at Kilmainham Jail. They were they were held there and executed uh, in the in in Stormbreaker's yard there. But the, the the jail goes back. It goes back. It's built on a hill called Gallows Hill, and the gallows, of course, was where people were hung. So going back way before, um, back into the 1700s, um, Gallows Hill was used for for hanging people. And then there was a jail there, and then they built um, Kilmainham Jail as a fortress jail and it discontinued after of course 1922 it hasn't been used as a jail it, it fell into disrepair for so many years and um, it almost uh, went into e extinction but with a group of volunteers who got together and they done some great work in, in restoration and then the OPW took over and it is what it is today and it's it's um it's got very popular in that if you do want to visit the jail you've got to book online before coming to the jail they don't accept people just off the coast. There's no walk-ups. No, no, because it's it's got that busy, especially around 1916, and it's 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 a place that that needs to be seen. But in saying that, there's a control aspect to um what's going on within the jail because um, they don't want too many people in, in as visitors into the jail because it ruins the fabric. They right. have to protect the building as well as have it open for, for the public. And it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice uh, place to visit. A great history. 
and um, there's a lot of history around Inchicore and um, Michael Mallon and the, the, the Michael Mallon lived in that building there on the right hand side you see where the flag is yeah. and also um, that was the, the um, it was the second area where they um, set up the union back in James Lacken's days right. and um, Connolly's days because in Inchicore there was a railway works which there was a lot of people involved in um, and there was also the Dublin Tram Company had a depot there where they built trams and they also um, they um, built trams and also repaired trams there the tram depot. I was in Belfast recently at the Transport Museum and they have a steam engine up there that was mm. built in the Inchicore works that's right Jeff yeah. and a monstrosity well there was two of those um, there was two of those built um, they were the biggest and fastest train uh, locomotives that, that were built here in Ireland um, and they also built a lot of other other locomotives smaller locomotives but they they, they were the two of the biggest we're just pa coming up now to, to what's left of, of the old Richmond barracks right um, and this area um, has uh, it's, it's steeped in history. It was it was a barracks built in in, in uh, the turn of the 1800s, and it was built to, to ward off the Napoleon and his invading forces. And directly opposite it is Goldenbridge Cemetery. And Goldenbridge Cemetery was the first cemetery after Catholic emancipation. And this Sunday they're reopening it and rededicating the cemetery. Um, because they, they've now decided to reopen it and I've been fighting um, with Old Dublin Town and campaigning for access for people to the, um, the graveyard because it's, uh, there's so much history in that graveyard. The namesake of mine buried there in 1831. Yep. Because yeah. when we were over in Glasnevin I did a search and given that Glasnevin opened in 1832 I was told anything that showed up prior to that was, was over, over there. Over there. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a Comerton buried over there in 1831 and then 1833 and there was one over in Glasnevin. So, mm. uh, we have roots in the city going yep. back a bit of time too because uh, we're never sure where we came from. Yeah, I don't know whether we were in, invading Vikings or Normans. <laughs> so, uh, John, if somebody, we, we mentioned there as we were coming past um, the uh, Kilmainham Jail that you need to go online. <clears throat> Do you facilitate through your efforts, if someone goes through your website, can they get a link through? Yes, um, we have a page, the second page on the website is called Ask the Locals, and it's it's a page that's dedicated to all the different places in Dublin and it'll give you a link into the different areas where you can uh, book online or get more information but um, we, we list there the top 10 places to see, the most important places, the top 3, what's the favourite place in Dublin everybody goes, there's a lot of different information in there um, and, and following on then there's, there's other pages, if you want to explore Dublin through YouTube videos, with, there's links in there to do that and from the history of the Vikings right up to 1916 to Dublin a anything that, that's involved about Dublin uh, we've, we've got lists of, of, of YouTube videos that you can go in and explore because it's, it's great with, with um, the internet and the web and, and all of that information to be able to go to one resource and be mm -hmm. able to see all of these things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you know you can do your virtual tours correct so correct. that when you come to Dublin at least you've, you've got a grounding you know what you want to see and you can make it but it's, it's it's always, if you're going to come as a visitor, it's always as well to have a plan. 
Yeah. Timing is everything. Before we take a break, which I know we're going to do, um, and planning is everything, and I came without a full plan this morning, but I ended up in Trinity College because when travellers come, they always want to know where to, where can you get a bit to eat and where's the washroom. Yeah. Um, and I managed to have a fantastic uh, restaurant there in Trinity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, breakfast was uh, coffee included. It was only four euro twenty or something. That was very, very good, wasn't it? But I mean, the, you know, if uh, when you talk about Trinity and you see the great resource as as an educational establishment, but not only that. People of Dublin do not walk through Trinity, and it's, there's some fantastic walks in around yeah, Trinity. Yeah. There's a lot of history in there, and there are some tours that you can take, um, but run by the students who 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 will show you um, the different areas of Trinity. It's it's a fascinating place and a great place to go on a sunny day. And now you tell me uh, to go in and have my breakfast there. So and lunch and, and lunch. And okay, actually lunch. Lunch. <laughs> have a good lunch in there too. Uh, <laughs> so, so the canteen and uh, well, it's not. It's a restaurant, but, uh, and also a lot of the visitors go there, especially to see the um, Buka Kelds. And, right. and I was a, a child, well, in my teenage years, I, every time I was in town, I went to see the Buka Kelds because they changed the page a day. Right. They moved the page a day. Yeah. And in those days, you could just walk in and uh, it cost nothing and you could see that page being changed every day. But now it's you have to pay for the right. privilege of right. being in there. And... Um, you know, for 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 um, for that, uh, the money that they charge, it's it's well worth seeing that that beautiful work of art. We're going to take a break, and I might even put on a piece of music, maybe Billy Mulligan, the pride of the comb, and uh, we'll continue chatting later on. Great. Stand on Billy Mulligan, the pride of the comb. <laughs> <laughs> We're. <laughs> We're out in the Inchicore area and we heard there earlier and we're chatting with John Lee. John, you're going to introduce to a very nice lady out here in the Richmond Barracks. Yeah, we've we've travelled out of town now and we, we've got the Inchicore, as I said, and we've passed the men in jail. And we're at another very important um, building and landmark in Inchicore. And Aidan McCleary, um, who is going to tell us all about Richmond Barracks and Golden Bridge Cemetery. So what, what have we got here? First of all, I know this is a typical sunny day in Dublin. Beautiful. And there's 360, Very common. Yeah, absolutely. 364 absolutely. of them. It's probably the yeah, this glaring sunshine. I know, it's, it's fabulous. It's just amazing. Beautiful. We've planned this part for every tour. Uh, so where are we? We're at Richmond Barracks, and I suppose this barracks fell out of history really and um, the three or four remaining buildings that are here are such, so central to our national story really but through for lots of different kinds of history um, it's been beautifully restored it's an award winning project we restored it for the um, the centenary celebrations, last year's, last yeah, year's yeah. celebrations, uh, so we restored it. Um, and what we've restored is the soldiers' gymnasium, which was built uh, added to the barracks in the 1870s. The barracks was built in 1814. Uh, the gymnasium is flanked by two officers' recreation rooms, and they've been restored as well. And um, in terms of our national story, um, following the surrender uh, in the 1916 Rising on the 30th of April, the British had to make a decision where, where to bring everybody involved and what to do with them. And the decision, two decisions were, one was to bring them all to Richmond Barracks. So Richmond Barracks was a large 14-acre barracks. It already had a regiment here that was fighting against the rebels in the Rising. So 3,500 people were brought here to Richmond Barracks. A thousand were released very quickly. They weren't involved. Um, they'd just been swept up. And um, then 
Richmond Barracks is really used to select out the leaders. So the soldiers gym, which is now a grade one protected structure, um, it was a gymnasium used for soldiers to do their exercise, but it was where the leaders were selected. It's the last place all the leaders of the 1916 Rising were. So if you go into this beautiful old gymnasium, you'll see a balcony, and from that balcony, detectives from the G Division, who remember were all Irishmen, would have selected out the leaders of the Rising, picking out Collins. What mm -hmm. have you here, Collins? So they picked out all the leaders, and then in another building, which has sadly been knocked down, um, the officers' quarters, the uh, courts martial began on May the 2nd. Pierce McDonough and Clark were court-martialed on May the 2nd, and the next day found guilty, guilty of aiding the King's enemies, and walked down the road to Kilmainham Jail. Also here, 77 women were held, mm -hmm. and Markovich would have been court-martialed here. It's a hugely important piece of history that has fallen out of history. So you have people saying, I've never heard of Richmond Barracks, right. where is it? Show me the signposts. We're delighted because it was a community effort. Um, I worked on the first proposal I wrote in 2013 and we gathered people from the community around to make sure these vitally important buildings stayed up because everything else to do with this barracks had been knocked down. So it's a great place to visit, a fascinating. We also in the second room, this, these buildings that remain later became a school, but in the second room we tell that story of the school that okay. was here. The Christian Brothers had been here since the 1890s in a, in a site across the road. They moved over here in 1929. Again, our exhibition is full of, of the genuine voices. We use witness statements from 1916. We have um, pupils. You can sit at a 1930s desk and listen to what it was like to be a pupil here. And we talk about the people who lived here when it became a housing estate, right. Kill Square, the poor of Dublin, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So it's a fantastic experience, and it covers the social history, the national story, and British military history. So then, then from here to Kilmainham, because yes. everyone would have heard Kilmainham, yes. how far of a walk? It's it? about 10 minutes. It's a 10-minute walk. But actually, if you're, if you're going, if the experience, this was the second last, last act, 10 minutes later they were executed down yes, in Kilmainham. Yeah. And through what area? So that would have been Dublin, uh, like walking Dublin streets where people live. Yes. So they were being paraded effectively exactly. from their court yes, martial exactly. to their and death. A lot of them spat at, you know, yeah. because a lot of, if you think of a large, uh, a large military barracks, yeah. a lot of local people entwined in that through work or a lot of Irish men in the British Army. So that's fascinating. Right. So anyone anywhere can come out of here and, and this now is part of what should be included in any tour that they're doing in Dublin. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, and you can get onto our website and you can have a look at it um, and you can certainly join in here. It's very, very important. Indeed. Okay? Thanks going to meet public. So John, we heard there from Aideen, she was telling us how here, and I'm looking down and I see uh, they're real people sitting in desks in the classroom, aren't they? She was saying how they, they've replicated the classroom experience as yeah. well. Yeah, they've, they've uh, redeveloped the, the classrooms back in t uh, when the Christian Brothers took the school over, uh, or this these buildings over yeah. um, from the, the Irish army after the British army left but the Christian brothers moved in and turned it into a school and that, that probably uh, was the recipe for the survival of these buildings because the, the hammer was to come down on some of these buildings yeah. but they, they exist today only because they became a school and the three buildings were the last three buildings that were built in the, um, in the Richmond Barracks complex the, the three buildings were recreational buildings Francis Ledwich, yeah, Francis Ledwich, and um, there's a bust here in, in the uh, foyer of Fran Francis Ledwich. Lance Corporal Ledwich, the port of Meath, was a member of the Royal Inniskillen uh, Fusiliers based in the Richmond Barracks, 1914-1915.
Um, and yeah, that, that was unveiled last year by Martin McGuinness. And Martin has passed on, as everybody knows, a great worker for uh, peace in, in Northern Ireland. And he's done some f- great work there for, for that. But he was a poet. Um, Martin uh, wrote poetry. And uh, Francis Ledwich was one of his um, favourites. And Ledwich was actually here. And he... he um, he spent some time here in um, Richmond Barracks as a soldier. Um, I notice here that there's a culture date in D- uh, Dublin 8. Yeah, the, the and uh, while I think uh, we've, we've missed it... No, uh, no, no well, it's this well, Saturday and Sunday. We've missed it. But, yeah. you know, if we're talking culture now, that Dublin 8 is putting itself on the culture map. Yeah, Dublin Eight. The culture date with with Dublin Eight is is um, something that it's an event that was was formulated with um, IMA, um, the National Museum of Modern Art, um, with Richmond Barracks, with Canelham Jail, with the Memorial Gardens, which um, is down in Island Bridge, and with the Magazine Fort in the Phoenix Park, and all of these organisations got together with. Um, with Fault Ireland and the OPW and Dublin City Council to formulate that um, culture day, which was very successful. All of the events were booked out, and um, it, it, it also ran in parallel with the reopening of Golden Bridge Cemetery, which is now a cemetery that's reopened, and it's, um, it's reopened also for burials as well. So if anyone's coming in May... This is something that they should kind of consider to yeah, look, do yeah. a little bit of research because annually it's, we can anticipate that there'll be a cultural date in, in Dublin 8. It's been so successful that I, um, they're, they're planning to have one next year and probably be around the same as an time annual, yeah. uh, an annual event. It's a new event. Culture Night in Dublin is very successful and it, it um, started a few years ago and everybody opened their door from a cultural point of view, the arts, the museums. Um, the theatres, everybody opened their door and now it's, it's a very successful night and people have great fun on, on Culture Day which runs in, in September but this Culture Day being a weekend is, is also fantastic there's events like exhibitions, guided tours uh, commemorations, walking tours and family attractions so there's a lot to do and a lot to see and I think what this is highlighting as well is that when you go on <coughs> and you do a search for what to do in Dublin an awful lot of times some of this are they're down the list and may not be found um, again another reason to, to visit um, Old Dublin Town, Old Dublin Town. Yeah, it's, it's these events that they go missing from the visitor because the visitor, um, visitors are not made aware of these culture, culture dates and, and events of, of, of a cultural uh, significance they, they get missed so it's, it's important that these are the things to ask the locals what's on yeah. and when, when the locals know what's on they'll tell you because an awful lot of people do what I would do, and basically they're doing self-guided. Yeah. They're, they're going for a walk, and, and you know, while there's a lot of people on guided tours, there's a lot of people on self-guided tours, and they ramble into what are areas like this, and it's when they ramble in, they wonder, how come I didn't know this was here in advance? Exactly. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so an important thing, again, is always kind of keep an eye on the calendar. Well, a lot of people ramble around Dublin, and... and um, they will gather these leaflets in their hotel and they'll look at them and say, well, we'll go there, here, there. And, but if, if you've done that bit of research beforehand, if you're new to visiting Dublin and it's your first time to Dublin, it's good to, to, to look in some direction for, for to get some sort of base 
um, of, of where you should start and uh, Again, you can open your mind up to the likes of culture, date, and other events that run in the city. Now, one one of the things that I know Dublin has come a long way, as with most European and even North American cities, you have lots of tour buses. You have the hop on, hop off, and now there are a lot of what are historical and specialised tours. Yeah, it, it recently the specialised tours have, and, and probably 1916 was one of the first uh, specialised tours where they they focused more on an event rather than a jump on and jump off. So they tell a story, it's like a stage on wheels, it's a platform for people to learn about 1916, to learn about our famine and to learn the stories of Ireland. And one of the most popular ones of course is the Grave Digger or the Ghost Bus where people get on and they hear ghost stories but some of them are, are, are factual where um, you can you can talk about uh, the the Rackle and, and that's all right, of course Bram Stoker and all that that's kind of stuff is <laughs> from, uh, Dublin has its richness in, in uh, graves um, here I, I just noticed as well while we're still in the lobby of the Richmond Barracks uh, the replica building uh, layout of it all and a huge area, huge structure uh, God knows how, how, what kind of uh, uh, artillery or what kind of numbers would have been here. Well, this this was um, an infantry um, base for the British Army, and it it all came out of uh, Napoleon and the invasion of Napoleon coming in, and um, the the buildings that 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 you see um, in in the uh, very accurate. Um, model uh, which which has only just been commissioned and, and we've just received it and um, they show the layout and you can see the three buildings that and the building that we're, we're in at the moment and mm-hmm. um, there's five buildings that actually exist um, and the three of them are, are you've seen at the end of the road is the church which was the garrison church built in the, around 1850 mm-hmm. and then there was the um, mortuary which is down at that end right. and that still exists today so okay. there's five actual buildings of, of, of what was the Richmond Barracks um, the, um, the, the gymnasium is where all the 1916 uh, everybody who was arrested in Dublin during 1916 they were all processed in that building yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they were sent on for court martialing here and the building you can see the model of the building just across the road which is gone yeah. and that's the building where they were court martialed and the court martials is a great story um, it's, it's a story um, that you'll, you'll hear when you visit uh, Richmond Barracks. Right. Now, next uh, question then is given uh, the wealth of photography that you have, have you um, come across photographs and uh, been able to share them? Yeah, this on Old Dublin Town you will see a page dedicated to Golden Bridge and it's been sitting there for and been build, built on. Um, over the last couple of years and, and we've sourced some, some great photographs uh, of the original um, buildings and um, there, there are some fantastic photographs in ev- evidence of, of, of when the British Army were here. Right. Um, the British Army you know, uh, did um, leave here in 1922 and, and as they left the buildings um, and they left here a contingent of, of soldiers from the Irish Free State walked in and they changed guard as such 
and the Irish army then took over but there was a lot of people outside the gate um, and there was tears in the eyes of people going out that gate and people seem to think it's strange that the people of Inchicore that would have come along or from far and wide who would have come along to see these soldiers off but in amongst the British soldiers were Irish sons, grandsons and brothers and sisters who were marching out and and being reposted in, 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 uh, in, in Britain and um, as they left, their, their parents and their, their, their uh, wives and, and family were outside to see them off. Another great story from the area here I'm looking at is uh, where the canal would be, uh, obviously just the other side of the uh, graveyard. Um, that's, uh, that uh, feat of many ways of engineering going... Yeah, it's, 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 it's a canal that takes you from Dublin city centre and, and takes you down to... Um, to the Shannon and it was used up to the 1960s and the last of the barges sailed in 1962 I think it was 1962 that a Guinness barge sailed and that was the last um, sailing on the canal the canal went into disrepair over the last couple of years and it's, it was owned by CAE which is part of the uh, transport company of Ireland but in latter years it, it changed the LPW and Irish waterways and now it's maintained as, as, as a waterways that is used for recreation and we hope that we'll see a lot more uh, boat traffic and, and a lot more usage. Indeed, we got to visit Shannon Harbour uh, a short time ago and I was surprised at the number of boats that were actually down there down there, yeah, and yeah. Uh, some old barges still down there and of course there were two canals one, one on the north side and one on the south side the, the Royal Canal of course is the canal that was on the, Royal, on the north side and, and also terminated in, in, in the Shannon and the Grand Canal um, was, was the, 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 the one on the south side and again a rich history when it comes to uh, music in Dublin because uh, uh, was um, the old triangle because um, Mount, Mount Joy is up on the on, is, is is on the banks of one of the canals up there, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Um, it's on the banks of the, the Royal Canal and, and of course Brendan Dean and his, his, his famous uh, songs uh, The Old Triangle from this time and he, he spent in, um, in that uh, establishment. Yeah. And well, we might actually listen to The Old Triangle and continue our conversation after. Yeah, we're in Inchicore, and Inchicore was probably like a little town. Like the way you had lots of areas in, in Dublin, like Sandy Mount, Rings End, Ranela, Rat Mines, and they were all communities in themselves. Well, Inchicore was, was built really out of the uh, arrival of the, of the Grand Canal, and also then followed on by the, um, the railways. Right. The railways uh, based their, their maintenance depots here. And also they um, they based the um, Spar Road for the Dublin United Tramway Company. So there was a lot of industry here, and uh, and the River Camac runs through Inchicore. And on the River Camac there was a lot of mills and sawmills and paper mills, and so they, these were made Inchicore very prosperous at, at the time. And um, the coming of Richmond Barracks as well, which were just after visiting, um, Richmond Barracks brought, brought prosperity too because there was uh, 1,600 uh, soldiers and, and 76 officers in there, right. and they all had to be fed and watered, and some of the provisions were from local 
butchers and local greengrocers and, and there was some prosperity from that as well. So we're heading into Golden Bridge Cemetery? Yeah, we've just passed, as, as I showed you there, we're just passing the walls, the, what's left of the walls of Richmond Barracks and, and um, we're just come to the end here where um, we see uh, the Golden Bridge Cemetery and um, we're just going to take a walk in. So we've just come in the gates of um, Golden Bridge Cemetery and this was the one that opened before Glasnevin. So even though the records in Glasnevin go back uh, 1831 I think and then are they starting the Glasnevin opened in 1832 so the records from here uh, span both Glasnevin as well. Um, a relatively small cemetery that filled fairly quickly. Yeah, we're about three miles outside of the city and um, this was the first of, of what was called the Victorian Garden Cemeteries and um, it had gone into disrepair as, as, uh, as you see but of late um, they have decided that um, they would they would restore it and right. um, start to use it again because yeah. it was it was opened in um, 1829 and what actually happened was that um, in Dublin uh, the, the people of Dublin were buried next to the church in, in what we call graveyards or right. church graveyards and this was the way that, that, that things went in those days um, in, in, the, in the graveyards and some of these graveyards was, was attached to Protestant churches and the Catholic, the Catholic church um, if you were Catholic you couldn't um, be buried in, 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 in one of these graveyards with the full uh, um, church, church church ceremony. Yeah. So you were put in a hole, and people ha walked away, and they never said a prayer over you. It wasn't allowed. So after Catholic emancipation, six months after Catholic emancipation, Daniel O'Connell um, decided to look for a plot of ground. He found this ground in Inchicore and Golden Bridge, and he um, had this cemetery developed out of that and the cemetery um, was based on uh, Père Lachaise in Paris and if, um, if anybody knows Père Lachaise it's a fantastic um, Victorian graveyard and Victorian graveyards were, were laid out so that people could go out on a Sunday and walk around and have a picnic and, and this is the whole style, it differed from the graveyards of, of yesteryear beside the churches in that it became a park and right. people used the park as a park yeah, um, and even we're just coming up to the, the mausoleum, um, where they they would bring the coffin and say the prayers over it in this building, and then it would the the coffin would then be buried. But this mausoleum is is, is loosely built on the same style as the one in Perleche, so um, it's great to see this graveyard uh, taking shape and um, being restored and being loved and cared for again because. Um, for years it became derelict and from an old Dublin town point of view um, we have um, always campaigned to have this, this open to the public. Now I know Daniel O'Connell despite um, having achieved Catholic emancipation was very anxious that certainly in Glasnevin that nobody would be refused burial based on their um, circumstances be it their economic circumstances or their religious belief structure. 
Yeah, that apply that, here. That he started that that whole concept here that anybody and everybody could be buried here, and um, no matter what religion, um, you could be buried here, and especially Catholics. But it became primarily a Catholic graveyard, right? Um, purely because Catholics could be buried with the rites, because there was still a lot of graveyards um, where the Protestant communities were, were buried and still remain to be buried. Um, Glasnevin, when it opened, then took on that same role. Just, just an interesting thing is, is a tree that we're standing beside, um, this beautiful tree here, um, was, is reputed that Daniel O'Connell planted that tree here at Golden Bridge. Right. Um, I see some of the gravestones have been repaired, there are some that are damaged uh, inevitably over time um, and when I was in Glasnevin recently as well there was a lot of restoration work underway um, so these as sites and valuable sites for uh, people who are trying to reconnect with their past uh, there's a recognition that it, these need preservation and here. Yeah, um, the, the Dublin Cemeteries Committee, as I say, was was started by Daniel O'Connell, and in the Dublin Cemeteries Committee, uh, um, they 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 also founded um, Glasnevin. Daniel O'Connell founded Glasnevin after Golden Bridge, and it's still to this day run by Glasnevin. Glasnevin yeah. run this cemetery, as they do a number of graveyards which satellite around Talla, Palmerstown, and into the north side and Dardistown and places like that. That Glasnevin and the Dublin Cemetery Committee have um, ownership, and they run these cemeteries around. So um, this this is a, a, a Glasnevin uh, cemetery. And um, with that, the Glasnevin authorities had seen this. This cemetery was closed down 40 years after it opened, mm-hmm. and it was closed down because the people in the um, people in the in Richmond Barracks were unhappy that there was fever graves and cholera graves, and there was famine graves here. Okay. And they're down in the right-hand corner here okay. of, of, of the cemetery. And we've yet to take away all of the overgrowth there yet. They've taken away a lot of the overgrowth around the graveyard, and you can see it. We, we can see graves now, we can see headstones. And for years, this was all overgrown. And it's only in the last two or three years that, that, that they've started to, to cut the grass and, and be able to see uh, headstones again. So who's driving those initiatives? Who's uh, well, behind? Well, Glasnevin's seen an opportunity, first of all, that um, there was uh, this graveyard wasn't fully full. It wasn't closed. Uh, it was closed prematurely. Okay. And when it was closed, if you had a grave already um, in, the, in, the, in the cemetery, you were allowed to rebuild, or you were allowed to bury people up to, I think it was five to a grave. So if, if I have a grave here today, I can be buried here today. And there was, there was funerals here this year into this graveyard. Okay. But it, you were coming into a, a, a very overgrown and desolate graveyard. Yeah. But they've now decided that there are graves here and they're going to start selling 600 graves here. All so right. okay. uh, commercially, um, they can see an opportunity here. Yeah. And uh, because of that, um, they've decided that they're going, to, um, they're going to reopen this graveyard. Right, right. So, um, if somebody wants to come out to Richmond Barracks, is, uh, it's, is, um, does the hop on, hop off come out this far, or um, how would you get here? To get here, there, you can use the Lewis, okay, um, or you can come out by bus. 
unfortunately there's no hop on and hop off bus comes out this far they go as far as Canaanim jail yeah. but um, they haven't been extended in time they will yeah. in time they will because this project is only very new because um, Richmond Barracks only opened last year yeah. um, in, in time for the, the celebration of 1916 and um, the graveyard is is, is only uh, in its infancy reopening. Yeah. So there's a lot of history out here, and I'm sure that as the visitor numbers and people start asking, uh, these buses will follow. So I suppose then, John, the easiest thing would be when you've made it as far as Kilmainham. You, it's yeah, it's only a short walk. It's only a short it's, walk from it's Kilmainham. Ten to fifteen minutes of a walk. And up if you here. walk from Kilmainham up to Richmond, you'll be retracing the steps that the um, leaders were walked. Yes, when, that's when, right. Yeah. Um, just just before we go, um, there, there's one grave in particular that is just here, and um, it's William T. Cosgrave. And William T. Cosgrave, one of the founders of the state, um, a great statesman, he's buried here along with some more of his family. And I remember in 1965 when he, he died, um, there was a funeral, a big state funeral here um, in De Valera. Um, he attended and um, his interment is, is, is just here, Austin. And so I was curious actually because I saw a relatively new, a practically cross. new cross. Yeah. Um, well, was if, if people are familiar with, with um, um, some of the postings that I've been posting over the last couple of years, we've a lot of vandalism, and there has been a lot of vandalism in in the uh, in this graveyard because it was neglected and it had no caretaker. Right. Um, and they actually broke that cross. So Glass and Evan have reinstated the cross, and 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 the, and the um, memorial exists again to William T. Cosgrave, who was he died on the 16th of November 1965. And I remember standing outside the gate uh, and watching on a wet, a very wet day, uh, when when in in November when he uh, was interred here, and his son. Uh, yeah. Liam will be buried here. Liam is a, a regular visitor. He comes here regularly to visit his father's grave, um, and um, he is um, going to be interred in that grave. Yeah. Right. He right. wants to be interred, so that that will be a big a big funeral when it happens, and let's hope it won't happen too soon. Are you aware of any other notables here? There is a lot of um, there's a lot of graves and notable graves. Um, one grave that that um, they're, they're, it's uh, we're, we're digging in and we're finding graves and we're digging into the records to look and there's so many interesting graves and there's people here from say Western Row yep. from Black Rock from Dunleary um, from all over but just I'll show you one other interesting grave um, which is here it's not marked it's a grave that's not marked and it was a young boy called Eugene Lynch right. he was aged eight and he died on the twenty eighth of April in 1916 and um, Joe Duffy last year wrote about the children of 1916 and um, Eugene Lynch was, was, was it was a fantastic story he was born in, in July 27th in 1907 his grandmother owned the pub just um, on Vincent Street which is not too far away and he was shot with a stray bullet uh -huh. and died and was buried here um, Last year, we, we, we got the local schools involved, and there was hundreds of kids come in here and celebrated Eugene Lynch because he was the only child 
and we had Joe Duffy up. Right, Joe Duffy. Because <laughs> Joe, um, Joe I, I did an interview with Joe, and we talked about the whole uh, 39, 40 kids, kids that, that were killed. That were killed. Yeah. And, and yeah. Joe Duffy's done a great job with, with um, his investigation into all of these children and identifying all of these children. But Eugene Lynch exists here, and it's hoped the children and Glasnevin Cemetery are hoping to put a proper memorial in in uh, perspective with with the grave, um, and they're hoping to mark that grave properly. There, there's a slate there that was actually uh, only just recently put on, and they had put a cross on it. Mm-hmm. Th- this is an unidentified cro- uh, grave of of God knows who, yeah. and then it was identified. And if you look back now from here, you'll see the cupola. Oh. which is the octagonal uh, sunlight uh, into the gymnasium of Richmond Barracks. Yep. You'll see St. Jude's Church, you'll see St. Michael's Church, yep. and in the distance you'll see the obelisk in the Phoenix Park. Right. So the, the, it's a great um, site here in um, in Golden Bridge, and there's some, some great things to see. The other see thing around. is that's interesting is like we're standing at the moment beside a gravestone, and it must be seven feet high, illegible or mostly illegible because it's as old as, as it is, but a huge stone and that's one of the things around here, there's some very big stones and some small stones. Um, there are, and, and it, it probably is when we talked about everybody and anybody who could be buried here, there was those that could afford a monument and those that couldn't afford a monument. Some monuments were small, some monuments were big. Um, but others are not marked at all like Eugene Lynch's grave is not married, marked at all yeah. Yeah. Um, so mm. there are a lot of graves unmarked here but if you look at the, the trees that were planted here and the whole garden aspect of the uh, cemetery it, it has a beautiful look and, and um, as you can see there's a lot of work going on here today because yeah. um, they're, they're cleaning up and the continued restoration of the, uh, the graveyard well, fascinating. I'm very peaceful. And now it, it, you're, it like reopens. There's a little bit of traffic in the distance, generally, and we yeah. can hear a, what sounds yeah. like a motorbike at the moment. That's a train. That's, that's actually a Lewis that's uh, the Lewis. tram. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, generally, very peaceful. We can hear the birds up here. Um, and uh, just uh, as you can see, the garden cemetery aspect of it comes very much with all the trees. Yeah, it's a, I, I spend a lot of time in Glass and Evan, wandering around the graves and looking at graves and looking for graves for people. And um, the tranquility there is equal to the tranquility here at Golden Bridge, where you hear the birds singing, and, and there is a beautiful sense of tranquility. Indeed, indeed. Where are we going? Okay, we're, we're just going to walk out, yeah. um, and we'll have a look at the... Um, so the foundation stone. We I can show you the first grave. That's the lady. Yeah. yeah. So we'll go over towards towards that. And we, in the graveyard at the moment, there is a lot of holes. So we just got to be careful transporting ourselves over there. No, we don't want to end up here, do we? <laughs> <laughs> and also, <laughs> also, there's a lot of replanting of of, of shrubbery. Yeah. So we yeah. don't want to be going down any of these holes. That no, no, that's <laughs> and not not be found. <laughs> So John, we've arrived and it's Margaret Lowry, I understand, from October 1829. Yeah, it was Margaret Lowry, um, the 2nd of October 
1829. She was the first um, to be buried, and and interestingly, um, she's buried sort of not at the gate, but she's in the middle of the cemetery as such, um, near the, the the far wall there. But um, as I say, it's it's where they chose to be buried because if you go and buy a, a plot now today, you'll be offered anywhere you want and you choose where you're going to be buried so obviously the family um, chose Margaret's burial place to be mm-hmm. here so Margaret is the first to be buried here mm. um, in 1829 you know it's it's uh, a tall pure sight here but just as I was looking around and see given the way the sun is shining at the moment most of the, well all the gravestones are in shadow yeah because they all point the same direction yeah and all the printed t- the text is on the same side is on the same side yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so uh, you know it's it's just that's 1840 they're very clear uh, age 45 years uh, Francis Doyle in memory of her beloved father John um, but yeah the um, um, there is some fantastic stones when, when you start to delve into if you're interested in looking at the inscriptions and little verses and poems and yeah. uh, different inscriptions that's, that's on these stones and there's a wealth of material and this, this graveyard is, is they've only just started to, to look at, at who's buried here and develop um, a, a history of, of it because it's been neglected for so many years but some of the stones as you can see have fallen into disrepair, mm-hmm. some are broken um, and others are you cannot see the inscriptions but back in 1988 in our millennium year here in Dublin there was a project by uh, some students and they came and they they um, recorded all of the inscriptions on, on these um, headstones and they recorded them and, and there now exists uh, a record in the National Archives and also in uh, book form of all the inscriptions and uh, of these headstones Fantastic. and their location here in, in Golden Bridge Cemetery. Fantastic. So at least we have we have access to that. And then um, the Victorians were fantastic, as as you would remember from the um, tour that you done some time ago of Glasnevin. Yep. They were great people for recording uh, information and in, um, in great detail. In great detail, and um, the details and the information is. Uh, it's in evidence in, in Glasnevin for this, this graveyard and, and it's hoped that it might be online someday that we'll be able to, like Glasnevin you can go in and, and uh, check on some of the burials that take place and it's a great form of, of um, investigation into your family tree as, as opened up by, by a lot of things including the um, census information and um, the um, 1901 and, and the 1911. And now there's some of the ones from the 1850s now online as well. Yeah, so it's, it's fantastic that yeah. you can just sit in your armchair at home and you can gather this information. Isn't it? So, John, I think same we had a bit of lunch. It's a good idea. And then I think we'll wrap up for today and uh, uh, catch up again in a week or another week or two and on um, another location and find out what's going on in some other places around Dublin. But where are we going to go for lunch? Well, let's let's see where our noses take us. Okay. <laughs> You've been listening to At Home and Abroad on Irish Radio Canada. John's site is olddublin.com. He's uh, over 25,000 followers on Twitter. If you like old photographs, um, certainly well worth going and looking at the site. If you're going to Ireland and you want to spend time around Dublin and you're looking at 
where to go, what to do, what are interesting sites to see in Old Dublin. OldDublinTown.com is the site to visit. John, thanks a million. Thank you.